Becoming a full-time writer can be overwhelming. Join Jay Thorne and Zach Bohannon as they help you improve your craft and find your audience so you too can become a career author. This is the Career Author Podcast. All right, welcome to Landmark episode 142 of the Career Author Podcast brought to you by our very good friends over at Cobra Writing Life. Kobo Writing Life empowers you, the author, to take your self-publishing career into your own hands with simple tools to publish your books in any country you please. You set your price, keep all your rights, and you can take advantage of their monthly promotional opportunities all without any exclusivity agreements. Get started today over at CobraWritingLife.com. And I'm Zach Bohan, and with me every single week is Jay Thorne. What's up, dude? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing all right. I'm doing all right. I had a pretty good weekend. You know, pretty pretty chill. I guess you would say. Nice. That's nice. A, that's what the kids say, right? Yeah, it is chill. What, yeah, it's super cool if you say chill. Yeah. I heard you went to a concert last night. I did. Awesome. We talked <laughs> yeah. about off air. <laughs> yeah, I went to see. Uh, I went to my living room to see the quarter century throwdown. I know that um, about one percent of our listeners will even know what I'm talking about or care, but uh, Downs uh, landmark. Uh, NOLA record was released 25 years ago uh, this week. One of my favorite records of all time, probably in my top five, if not my top three. One of uh, mine for sure. I too. mean, just riffs out the ass. Just Well, that record is what they call all killer, no filler. Yeah. Just, There's no bad song on that record. It's, it's just amazing. If you don't know, uh, Don was sort of a a super group that formed in the, in the early nineties before that, that was a thing and involved, uh, uh, Kirk and Jimmy from Crowbar and uh, Pepper Keenan from Corrosion of Conformity and of course um, Phil from from Pantera and uh, it was a lot and Rex Brown and Rex Pantera. I forgot about Rex yeah um, well, he came in later I guess but yeah either way yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was what was crazy is I didn't realize until I was watching it I think Pepper brought it up that the show was on the 15th anniversary of Katrina oh wow uh, yeah, yeah that that lines up actually that's right yeah, yeah. that because it was the end of August yeah Holy crap, that was 15 years ago. Yeah, can you believe that? I mean, that record's 25 years old and Katrina was 15 years ago. It just, it's just stuff just seems like wow, yesterday. Wow, that brings back a lot of memories for me. Because <laughs> yeah. I remember when Katrina happened, like um, it, like it was coming and, and I had to take Catherine. She was in college at the time and I had to drive her back to school and we took all these back roads. But, and I was living in Jackson, Mississippi at the time. And on the way back, it was like 35, 40 miles of interstate I was riding back. And I was the only person going south and north was a parking lot. Like people were just out of their cars because everyone was trying to get away and find play, like find get to Memphis or even come up here to Nashville to find a hotel. It was that was a crazy time. That sure was, that's was. crazy. That was 15 years ago. It sure was. Yeah. And uh, this is this is not to, meant to be an intention, uh, intentional transition into the, today's topic, but I'm going to talk a little bit about down in today's topic because I think it applies. Oh, it does. Yeah, for sure. You I probably know where that, I'm going so. with that, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. Um, I know last week we mentioned High Score, the documentary yes. on Netflix about games. And I, I finished it. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, and I, I wanted to mention I watched another documentary yesterday. Um, that was really, really good that um, people might be interested in if, if, if you're into gaming or just in the like 90s and 80s culture in general. But I watched a documentary called uh, Pretending I'm a Superman, um, the making and it's about the making of the Tony Hawk video game series, oh, the skateboarding games. Yeah. And it's really cool because it talks about how skateboarding like was culture, how it culturally was such a big deal in the 80s. And then the 90s kind of died off a little bit. And then slowly came back to fruition when the X games happened. But then when the Tony Hawk video game came out, it just exploded again. And how much impact that had on like this culture that, you know, is uh, this subculture that, you know, has been so prominent in our country for a long time. And um, there's even a spin about, they're, they talked to a couple of the bands who were on the soundtrack, specifically Goldfinger, oh, yeah. um, who their entire career was made because of their song Superman, right. which is obviously the uh, was on there. And uh, they talked to Bad Religion, which was cool, and like all the stuff it did for them. And um, so it was really, really, really interesting. And I definitely recommend uh, people checking that out. I don't, it's not on Netflix or anything. I brand it for like five bucks. But uh, they did it right now because the uh, they're actually – the first two games were actually remade and come out this Friday. So tomorrow as this airs, um, they remade them with the original soundtrack and everything. 
Um, and uh, yeah, so it's but it was a really good documentary. So anyone who's interested in you know games and like skateboarding culture and stuff, like it was really good. Nice. I'll throw out one quick documentary rec um, that I watched recently too, the Shannon Hoon documentary uh, from mm. from Blind Melon. I don't know if you've yeah. seen that. Um, it, it's in some weird. It's it's a pay per view. It's only a few bucks, but like Fandango now has it. I think Apple might have it. But uh, what's cool about it is the entire documentary is from uh, original footage that Hoon took in the last couple of years of his life. He, uh, uh, in the early 90s, he started taking a video camera around everywhere. And he just recorded, he recorded them backstage, in the, in the studio, on the bus, in hotel rooms. And they took years of, of the tapes that he made and they made this documentary. And that's it, there's no voiceover, there's no narration, there's no oh, interviews. Wow. It's just him and his footage. And I watch it with my son and... I wasn't sure how he was going to take it because, like, you know, he wasn't around for Blind Melon. He didn't know Shannon Hoon. And when it was over, he was like, that was damn good. Like, it, it, um, it's sad, you know, because if of you guys course. don't know, he, you know, he died of an overdose at a young age. But, uh, yeah, 27. Highly, he's 27. Was he club, 27 right? Club? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I thought so. But, um, yeah, definitely recommend that if people were interested in, uh, in checking that out. Yeah. He died in New Orleans. They yes. were they were supposed to play Tipitinas that night, really famous venue down there, and he died in a hotel right there. Which and it's is a crazy. down show. Kirk had a Tipitinas shirt on. So there you go. It all comes full we're circle. Just bringing it all around. Yeah. I, t- I didn't know that existed. My sister in law is actually a huge Blind Melon fan. Oh, yeah. So, which are very rare to be out there. Like people like them, you know, people obviously, you know, no, no rain and stuff, but like, um, yeah, it's like you rarely meet someone who's like really into him. My sister-in-law, Rachel, is. So I've tell her about it. You got to tell her. She'll like it. That's awesome. So, all right. Well, today, Jay kind of mentioned, kind of alluded to it um, that uh, when he talked about down today's topic, we're going to talk about genre hopping, which I think we've talked about like in some ways, like we did a whole episode about pin names and that obviously was a big conversation about it. And this comes up sometimes, but I was actually surprised when I looked it up and saw we hadn't done like a full dedicated episode. And this is, we, you know, we get asked about this a lot. Uh, Chris Wills. Um, <laughs> uh, so we get, we get asked about genre hopping a lot and um, people have a fascination with it. And I understand why. And we're going to dive into that and just have like a really, I think it'll be a good discussion we'll have on it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I feel like I'm saying this a lot recently, but this is, a, this is another place where my opinion goes back and forth over time. Yeah, mine does too a little bit. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, I think that'll be part of the conversation. Um, so, but before we get to that, we have a couple of things. We want to hit one thing really quick. Um, and, uh, I'll actually, uh, I'll, I'll let you kind of handle this one. This first thing. Yeah. As we're recording, it's, uh, it's Monday morning and we want to just send good wishes and good vibes out to our, our good pal and brother, Jim Kukrell, who is, uh, undergoing some surgery. He, uh, posted on Facebook over the weekend that he's got cancer and, uh, and he's at the Cleveland clinic in good hands. And, uh, we're just, you know, wish him the best, uh, best of luck. And we know he's a fighter. He's, he's going to come through, but we just kind of wanted to give him a shout out and, and send him good vibes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Jim, you're definitely on our mind this morning, buddy. And, uh, you know, we just wanted to acknowledge it since it kind of came out yesterday and stuff, he made it public and all that. And, um, obviously on our minds this morning, cause he's a good friend of both ours. So, um, so best wishes vibes sit your way. And uh, we're thinking about you, dude. So, um, and then, uh, also, uh, we want to give a reminder about our uh, the tickets for the Career Author Summit. You want to kind of talk about this really quick, too? Yeah, just a, it's just a quick reminder that we've got uh, both the virtual and in-person option. And this is for September of 2021. It's a little bit over a year away. And uh, for either ticket, we also have a 10-month payment plan. Uh, so if you're uh, at all interested, uh, th- this event has sold out every year prior and uh and you know don't don't be left out if you're wondering um your best bet is to buy a in-person ticket they're the same price by the way if you buy an in-person ticket and you decide you'd you'd rather not travel to nashville you can easily just convert that to a virtual and you'll get all the live stream and recordings just uh just just like everyone else but if you buy the virtual and and the physical event venue sells out you might not be able to switch that later so we're recommending buy the in-person ticket and you can convert it later as opposed to the other way where you might not be able to. So just a quick reminder on that for folks. Yep. So you can check that out. Just head to the careerauthor.com and just click the little events, events tab at the top and all the information will be there for you to check that out. So um, 
also i want to mention this just because it kind of popped up this week and was interesting um but if you haven't seen um because this is obviously relevant to authors uh, audible just lant launched a program for their subscribers called audible plus um they actually renamed all their different subscriptions and offered some, they have different subscription offerings now uh, for us, but essentially um, Audible Plus is a collection of audiobooks that are included in your membership to listen to for free. So it's kind of like a, almost like a Kindle Unlimited thing, but um, I noticed it because I logged in, I had a couple credits and I, I, I have what used to be called the gold membership, which is $14.99 a month, you get one credit. It's called something different now. I don't remember like premium plus or something like that, but now I get one credit and I get access to the audible plus library. Um, they also have a new subscription. That's like seven bucks a month or something where you just get audible plus. So, um, you know, this is something that obviously we, you know, just kind of keep our eye on because this is the type of thing that could change audiobooks. Um, Right now, it doesn't, from the little bit I've done, research I've done, it doesn't look like, I mean, this isn't available for indies or anything like that. What it looks like is it's mostly Audible Originals. And then they've also worked with some different audiobook publishers um, to uh, include their books as well, which uh, um, one of our, we we know a couple people in it. And I, one specifically, didn't even know his books were in it <laughs> until, Typical until something was said to him. So, um yeah. So, uh, but he went, he goes through one of the publishers who are involved. So just something I wanted to mention, like th this is, I would say pretty significant and it's going to be interesting to see how audible adapts this program moving forward. So I think we're lining up for an Amazon Spotify battle. I, I, I think Apple's out of it as far as audiobooks go. I, I don't see Apple doing anything that, that shows that they have a dog in the fight. I, I really think it's, I think Spotify is, has got Amazon in their sites and I, I, I'm really curious to see now, how that plays out. Are they doing audiobooks at Spotify? Cause I have, well, that's, I know, they're real, I know they've doubled down on podcasts. Yes. No podcasts have been a big deal. But. Yeah. And I think that's sort of the, the industry talk is like it's podcasts and they're going for audiobooks next. They could definitely be the one, mm -hmm. you know, so, and maybe that's part of this deal with audible. Maybe they know that Spotify is going to start including audiobooks and in people's memberships yeah. or like have a different tier or something. So maybe they're trying to get ahead of it. So um, yeah, that's really, really interesting. So it'd be, yeah, it's gonna be interesting mm -hmm. to see what happens there. So, um, so anyways, you know, that's just something people probably have seen by now, but if you haven't, there it is. Um, and then, uh, you have another kind of sorrowful announcement here, don't you? <laughs> well, I, I'm assuming that uh, anyone who listens to more than just this podcast of mine probably knows that Rachel and I ended the writers well after 190 episodes uh, last week. And um, listen to episode 190 if you're really curious, if you want all the details. But we're Rachel and I are both sort of exploring some other paths and, and different options from uh, 2020 to 2021. And it became clear that, uh, that podcast was one thing, although we loved it and we love each other. Uh, it was, it was something that was probably, we were going to have to cut to make room for other things. So, um, we do love each other. We, we have a, a scheduled, uh, call periodically. So we're still going to talk and, and, and share things, but, uh, it just won't be in a podcast form anymore. Well, we're sad to see it go. I know a lot. Of, I know a lot of the listeners are because the chemistry between you two is amazing. But uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where sometimes you have to cut things, and it's not easy to do that. Right. But um, you know, you you have to do it sometimes. Sometimes you have to cut loose on stuff. Yes. So, yep. You know. But um, well, congrats. You guys got a long way though. So. Yeah, we did. We're really proud of it. And uh, and those episodes and the website will will be there if people want to go back and listen to stuff. It's there. But yeah, we're we're proud of it, and uh, we're ready to move on to the next thing. How many did you say you guys had? Oh, uh, 190. I think we were up to. Okay. So we can't quit until 191. <laughs> so. All right. Fair enough. Actually, we have to at least make it to 200. I'd I'd be really disappointed if we got that close. <laughs> I kind of feel like you guys are just quitters for not getting a 200. I know. You know. We talked about that on the episode too. Like there was some, uh, very briefly we discussed like, you know, episode 200 or possibly end of 2020. But uh, it became clear that wasn't going to be fair yeah, to our I listeners. It, I, I understand why you guys did it and stuff. Yeah. So, but um, all right. Well, um, before we jump into this week's ways and hacks segment, we want to remind everybody about patreon.com slash the career author. 
course over there for as little as $1 a month, you can support this show and you'll gain access to our monthly bonus episodes or episode, I guess, our Q&A episode, um, even though there is an archive of stuff over there too, of um, movie and TV show analysis. Yes. And as you like to remind me, because I forget because it was so long ago, but there's also a bunch of Amazon product page makeovers that I did a while back. That's so right. There's a lot of content over there that you get access to for just a buck a month. So um, head on over to patreon.com slash the career author and you can join our new patrons. Uh, I'm gonna let you say the first one and you know why. Nicholas Lemieux. I know you want to say Lemieux because yeah. you're a boy in Pittsburgh. Haven't, haven't said that name in a long time. So Nicholas Lemieux, Katrina Dixon, uh, shout out to Katrina, I guess. We were just talking about the 15th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. There so you go. Thank you, Katrina. All these have connections. I know, those. that's crazy. And Buck Jones. So thank you to Nicholas, Katrina, and Buck. We definitely appreciate it. And uh, my hack of this week is going to be a recommendation. It's going to be a timely one. Let's give another shout out to our buddy, Jim and uh, to Jim Kukrell. And I just want to recommend everybody go check out his book, Unskippable. And that's unskippable with a copyright registered trademark at the end. He has the, <laughs> he has the registered trademark for Unskippable, which you will even see in the title on Amazon. So, um, but uh, yeah, Jim worked really hard on this book and it's really, really good. I mean, you and I both got advanced copies of it. Um, but it's basically like his... Uh, vision on you know how to how to stand out from the crowd and a busy world you know like you know everyone uh, is vying for your attention and you know it can be hard to really try to stand out you know whether you're um, no matter what you're doing like what kind of content you're creating if you're a speaker if you're a blogger if you're an author any of that stuff and you know um, Jim uses his whole like experience from being in the internet marketing basically from its inception um, to teach you how to be unskippable. So anything else you want to add to this? No, definitely go out, check it out. Great book. Very useful. Yeah. So go check that out and support our buddy Jim as he, uh, yeah, as, as we're thinking about him today, as we said, so let's go ahead with that then and jump into our topic, which again is going to be genre hopping. So I think, uh, Again, I think this would be a fun one. Um, this is something that comes up a lot when in our Q and A's and just more talking to authors in general because authors want a genre hop, and I understand why because you know we don't necessarily just eat or sorry we don't uh, we don't just most people don't read one type of book. You know, I think what I was going to say is you know people don't eat one type of food. They don't necessarily watch one type of movie. Uh, um, I, there's some places I, there's are some areas where I think people do get kind of narrow. Like I think there are people who probably just listen to one type of music sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you know, and stuff, but for the most part, people like variety in their life. Um, and, uh, you know, you and I, we don't just read post-apocalyptic fiction. We love it. And that's, I'd say that's primarily what we read, but we both read other stuff as well. Um, so it can be really natural to think, well, well then why should I write the same stuff? And I think there are, you know, different things you can look at with this and reasons why you should or shouldn't genre hop and that stuff that we're going to discuss today. So, um, Oh, do you want to have anything you want to add here at the intro just in general or? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably come, come back to it. I, I think, I think what I'm going to say is not what people want to hear, but I, I, I kind of feel like it's, it's the truth. Um, and, and this gets back to down, like, you know, down wrote and released a record in 1995 that was not at all what was happening in the music industry in any shape or form like it was not current it wasn't trendy it wasn't on genre it was what they wanted to do it was their artistic vision and i i, I kind of feel like right now if you if you want to write your thing um i think that's the most fulfilling thing to do but at the same time, your odds of finding commercial success with that are almost zero. <laughs> like I, I, and I like that's what people don't want to hear, right? Like the whole the whole right to market with all of its negative connotation is really your absolute best chance at being successful uh, commercially. If you want to write your own unique style genre mashup, like you the you know you could be you could be that one that breaks through. You could be that really unique piece of art in a time where everyone else is doing something else, but the odds are so stacked against you and you just got to know that going in. 
I think that what you said kind of frames the conversation for me personally is that, um, you know, the guys from down were in a position where they could take that risk. And because each one of those guys had successful bands. I mean, at the time, I mean, you could make the argument Pantera was the biggest metal band in the world at that time. I mean, they had just come off uh, Far Beyond Driven in 1994, which was the, it was like the first heavy metal record, like, you know, to hit number one on the Billboard charts. Um, if people don't count the Black Album, like, it just depends how you look at, I guess. But as far, I mean, like, but that was like Far Beyond Driven is like a heavy, heavy, heavy record. Um, and, um, like, you know, the, and the other guy, Crowbar and Crozier Conformity were established bands at that point. So like those guys were established and they had afforded themselves to take the risk at that point. I think that, you know, I'm not trying to spoil the conversation for me, but that is where everything kind of lines up for me. Like I have other things I want to write, but I make a living right now writing post-apocalyptic fiction. And you could even narrow that down and say, I really make a living writing zombie fiction. So, cause there's even stuff within the post-apoc world that I want to write that I'm like a little worried about writing now. Um, but what I like to say, and I think you and I, I don't know if we said on the podcast, but I know that we've talked about this before is like, I feel like I'm buying myself the time and the availability to eventually write stuff I want to write. Like I, w- I, w- I want to get in a position where like I have my back catalog is earning enough to where, you know, I can get to a point one day where like I finish off a series and I can go and write just what, like a, a, some of these other books there in my head, that are in other genres or whatever. Um, and, and maybe even get to a point where I can write like one book like that a year, you know, where that's not necessarily in my genre, but right now I'm building my, I'm still building my brand and I'm still trying to build that brand as opposed to Pac author. So like, that's kind of, Again, I'm kind of spoiling the conversation, but I just think for me, it's more of a patience thing. And I think that if you're, you know, if you're trying to really do this full time and you're really trying, you know, to make a living out of this, and then I think you're really facing an uphill battle if you've written your first book is like a sci-fi book. And then you've kind of started building an audience like that, but then you immediately go and write like, you know, a romance or something, you know, um, because I think what happens is, um, and again, we'll kind of talk about this, but I think that a lot of authors make the assumption that readers are going to read their book, they're going to really like it, and then they're going to follow the author. But I, that's not the case. Like, I think there's a certain point you have to get at to where that is true and people will read anything you write. But I think early on, like, people will probably find you because of the sort of book you're writing. And they may not give a shit about like your urban fantasy if you have written, you know, a historical fiction book and that's what they liked. So, um, and we'll get into that and we'll talk about outliers and stuff like that as well. But this is, it's, this is a hard subject to tackle. It sure. is. And, and like, there's the whole other layer is sort of where I am, which is I'm, I'm using other revenue streams to work on, on projects I want to write. Like, like the thing I'm doing with JD that that's not like that's not uh, i'm not going to turn that into a series i'm not going to plan out 12 books in that i'm not writing that to market i'm writing like this really unique story i want to tell but i'm able to do that not not because of my fiction sales but because i'm doing coaching and i'm doing developmental editing and and like and for for people who are listening like you could you can fund you can buy yourself time and it doesn't have to be with a commercial genre. You could buy yourself yeah. time by writing blog posts or by, um, you know, uh, tutoring or like, you know, any, any sort of revenue stream that's going to give you the financial cushion to then write like the big or the, the, you know, that special project that you want to do is perfectly legit. Like it doesn't even have to be another fiction, um, series to fund it. Yeah. It's funny too. Like, and I think there's other way, like, I think there's other ways you can approach um, like think outside the box uh, of, of ways you to approach like writing other things you want to write. So what I mean by that is um, I was actually having a talk with one of our friends the other day in our genre who, you know, we, we were talking and he was like, yeah, you know, like I, 
um, I really want to be a horror writer more than I want to write this stuff. And, and I told him, I'm like, well, I'm, I get that because I have horror books I want to write as well. Um, and, and what I've thought about doing personally was like, when I am ready to write like a horror book, it would probably be a standalone, but then almost kind of doing what you're, I mean, you're really kind of doing this, like, instead of like writing that and then just independent publishing it, like that would be something I would try to go the traditional route. Exactly. You know, because I, I, to me, like, it's not saying that people wouldn't buy a horror book from me. I've sold some horror books before, but like, I feel like I'd have a better, like, other than just like writing it, putting it out there and see what happens. Like that could be a way for me to, you know, um, pursue a different type of publishing and try to find a new audience. And I've even thought about that within my own genre. Like I have a, I have an idea for a post-apoc book I want to write. That's not a series. It's just a standalone. And I could release that and it probably would do decent, but I've even thought about that. Well, like, I wonder if I go to a publisher and be like, Hey, I have this already established audience in this genre, but I have this standalone novel. I would like to get to a wider, a, a different and wider audience. Like, can we take a look at that? So, um, I, I've I think got there, one of those manuscripts in the drawer. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So like, I think that thinking outside the box a little bit too. And, um, uh, and, and, and again, we're going to, we're going to, talk about you know the the disadvantages of trying to because you're essentially once you start going in different genres whether you think it or not or like it you're essentially um splitting your brand and you're you're essentially having to build different brands even if it's under your same name you know um so so i don't know let's talk about some of the stuff that that i've actually got here we'll kind of have a discussion but uh, uh the first thing i want to mention is I'm going to try not to talk about pen names a lot because that's something that we've talked about a ton on the show. We actually did a whole episode. If you go to episode 85, we talked about pen names. Um, pen name is an obvious solution. If you want to write in multiple genres, um, uh, you know, a pen name is, is something you can do that does help give some separation, um, but it has its own pros and cons, which again, we've talked about on, um, on different episodes, but specifically episode 85. So you can go check that out. Um, so I, I feel like, and Jay, you can add to these because if you could think of anything else, but I feel like some of the pros, we'll start with the pros of genre hopping because we should start with something positive, right? Um, you know, pros of genre hopping, you obviously are going to reach new readers. Um, you know, again, if, if for us, like, you know, right post-apocalyptic, um, and you know, but if, if I get, if I wrote, went and wrote my fantasy, like I did, like, that's obviously going to reach new readers I didn't have before. And it's possible that there is some overlap there and that some of those readers also will want to read some of my post-apoc horror slash science fiction stuff. Um, as we'll talk about in a minute, you can't bank on that. And I think that that's a bad assumption, but, um, but it is possible that that'll happen. Um, you can diversify your catalog. That's kind of going to the same thing. You'll have stuff that appeals to different readers, depending on how you look at it. That can be a pro or a con, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, diversifying your catalog is something. Um, uh, I think the big one, and I think that the thing that people most want to do this for is more creative freedom and enjoyment. I think that most people, because they don't like reading the same genre necessarily, um, they want to experiment, um, with writing other things, you know, so they, they want to, you know, maybe you're a romance author and you're like, man, I'm tired of just like writing these contemporary stories that take place in the real world. I want to do something with magic and do world building and stuff. It'd be like real easy for you to think, well, I'm going to go write fantasy then. Um, so I, 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 from that point, I understand why people want a genre. Hop. Like, I think that that's probably the biggest reason why people want to do it. Um, but also I think another pro is you can become a better writer by writing other genres and shout out to, um, I, I got a really, I, I had told Chris Wills that we were going to talk about this and he of course sent me a big piece of feedback and, <laughs> as he with does. a bunch of stuff and <laughs> as he always does. And he's always very helpful. And this is one thing that he said that really stood out because he's right. Like, um, you know, writing in other genres can definitely make you a better writer and can help you implement different things um, in your, in, in your current genre, like let's say, you know, if you go and you start writing romance, you know, then it's probably going to make, make you write better, um, uh, r relationships between your characters and whatever your other books are and, and, you know, going to help you d develop like romantic relationships in your other books. 
So um, that's just one example I thought of, but I, I think that that can, that can definitely make you a better writer. So, Oh, do you have any pros I didn't mention that you could think of off the top of your head? No, I mean, that, that pretty much covers it just to kind of add on to that last point. It's also a way of getting off the learning plateau. So I think it's, it's, it's tricky. Um, it's a fine line to walk between, you know, getting deep into a series or, or writing under a specific genre and also then going on autopilot and sort of recycling the same story in slightly different ways and, and not growing as a writer. So I, I, I would agree with Christopher on that. I think it's uh it's definitely a way to kind of shake up your, your process and do something differently. For sure. Yeah. So let's talk about some cons then and jump to the negative. Um, I think the big one is you can't assume readers are going to follow you. I, I mentioned that a little earlier. Um, I think that a lot of authors make that mistake and, and they think that re- that, you know, readers are just going to follow them. And I think that a lot of times they base that upon outliers, which I, I'm not going to talk to that. I have a whole section about that. We're going to talk about in a minute, but um, while it's true that most readers don't read one genre, like that's very true, but the readership you're building with the book, like, like for me, like, so I write the zombie slash post-apoc stuff. Like I'm building that. I have that built readership. I built that over time. I know those people like reading that, but I don't know what else they like to read. I mean, I can poll them or whatever, but like, you know, other than that, like some of them might like historical fan fiction. Some of them might like romance. Some of them might like urban fantasy. Like it, you just don't, you can't make an assumption that like they like this. So they're going to like this. And, um, and that to me, that's just an uphill battle. You know, like if, and again, this comes, you, I think you also have to go back to what your why is like, this is my job. So I can't necessarily afford right now to go and be genre hopping. If I was writing and publishing, like, and I had a job I really loved and <clears throat> it was more of just like a hobby for me or something that, you know, I, you can even take a photo on a hobby, like something that you are taking seriously, but like, you're not, um, your expectations are different. Like, yeah, I could definitely see like writing in different genres and stuff. Like if I wasn't as dependent on the income, but right now I have a brand, my brand is post apoc Like that's it. That's what I'm going to be writing right now because that's what pays the bills. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I can't take the risk. I've done it before. I did the fantasy thing and it bombed. So like, cause I didn't have that readership and my readers didn't give a shit. So, um, they didn't care about an epic fantasy book, <laughs> you know? So I've, I've learned my lesson. Um, so I think that that's one big thing. Um, I mentioned balancing multiple brands um, and that that's true. Even if you're not using a pen name, um, you know, and, unless, and I think the other part of that is unless you do this very well, you can just confuse readers. Like I, I, for me, you know, if I come across a post apoc book, I really like, or I'm interested in, and I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna go check out and see what else they have. And then I go to their page and they have like books of spaceships on them or like other stuff. Like I immediately am like, I'm not into that. So like, I guess they just have like this one series I'm kind of into. And sometimes it turns me off where I'm just like, I'm not that interested or whatever. Like it's a weird, it's just a weird mental thing when you're shopping, you know, as opposed to like, if I'm shopping, you know, again, like go back to post apoc and I go to their page and they have a bunch of that stuff and I could see what the covers, like, this is what they write. Like I'm more likely just to keep like, check out their stuff. So um, I, I think that balancing multiple brands, like that's, it's difficult to do that. Um, anything you want to add there? You're kind of non along. No, no, that's yeah. yeah spot on. Um, I bet you have something to say about more mailing list management. Um, you know, you're, you're going to have a lot more mailing list management. Cause you can't at that. You cannot have just one list. Like, I mean, you can, but you have to use segments. And I was going to say, or, you can tabs. have, it, it doesn't matter. There's no technical solution for that. You're either going to have multiple lists or you're going to have multiple segments. That's either I mean, way, yeah. you're going to have to have two, you're going to have to send two different forms of communication to those different segments. Yeah. You're, so it's going to be a lot more management and maintenance to do that type of thing. And if you're someone like me who doesn't like mailing list maintenance, then it sucks. So, um, obviously it messes with Amazon's algorithms. Like that's another big thing, you know, for, you know, we know Amazon is the big player and I I've talked about the podcast before with my fancy book. Like I initially didn't even send it out to my zombie readers, but they found it. Some of them read it, not many, 
Like it's, it, but it, it, the also bots ended up, even though I targeted really well and everything, the also bots ended up being like zombie books and post-apoc books. And that just confuses Amazon's algorithms. Cause then they're like, Oh, well, I guess that those are the people who like this book. And when they start sending that fancy book out to other zombie post-apoc fans who don't know who I am, they're just going to be like, why the fuck is Amazon sending me this? I don't care about this. And then they don't buy it. And then Amazon that they ding you for that. Um, so again, I kept it pretty separate and my brand is not big enough to, to, to withstand that, you know, um, which again, we'll talk about in a minute when we talk about outliers and, and we'll talk about outliers within, you know, not just the big names you're probably thinking of, but also like indies, there's indies who have built themselves up where they can sustain this and they're able to do this, but I'm not one of them. So, and uh, neither is Jay Thorne. No. So, um, now, you know, one thing I do want to kind of talk about there is, and maybe you can speak on this a little bit or maybe not, but I, I have a feeling this question will come up is what about nonfiction? Like, what about books like three story method? Like I, I can already hear people asking about that and saying, well, you guys wrote three story method. That's not in the same genre. Um, how, how are you, how were you guys able to kind of like keep that separate? I don't, do you have any opinions on that off the top of your head? Well, or? it's, it, it's like starting over. I mean, it's, yeah. it's an entirely different audience and readership. I mean, there isn't any genre fiction reader who's going to be interested in three story method. <laughs> it's not who it's for. It's for other authors. Unless they're aspiring writers. Right. But yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Uh, that, but that just, goes back to what I was saying is you can't make that assumption that there's a bunch of those on your, in your audience. No. Now, so so nonfiction is is completely different. It's probably the biggest genre hop you can make because <laughs> you're you're going from a, a focus on storytelling to a focus on in, information or entertainment. So if you're if you're thinking about nonfiction, that's the biggest chasm you'd have to cross. Yeah, and we obviously launched that book with an audience because we have this podcast, and you know we we built that, but. You know, you guys have noticed that we don't, it's not like we put a new fiction book out that we talk about on here. We're not telling you guys to go buy that, you know, because again, we know that like people know we write and if they're interested, they'll go check it out. But like, we're not trying to sell those books to you guys, you know, like it's just not, you're not necessarily our audience unless you read that stuff. So um, yeah, so that that's, that's all good on nonfiction. So, um, cause essentially you're starting over, like you said, so um so I also put down here what I feel like are some big questions when considering genre hopping. So um, the first one is, could I scratch the itch I have in my current genre? So going back to what I was talking about um, regarding um, uh, why people want to write in other genres, I really feel like it's about creative freedom. And I really feel like it's about like trying to write other things. So can you scratch the itch you have by writing, still writing your current genre? So an example I have of this is I really like fantasy and um, a lot. And I would love to write fantasy. I think it's really fun to write. But again, I've tried that and I just cannot afford right now to spend any time writing that stuff. Well, I have an idea for a post-apoc book that I've been writing that, or that I've been working on just the world building stuff for where I am still keeping the tropes of post-apoc, but I've done other things where I feel like I'm going to be able to scratch the fancy itch of stuff that I really like about fancy. So for me, what I really like about fancy is not necessarily the magic part, like the magic part's okay. But for me, it's more about like the battles and like, you know, with the, with, with the medieval weapons and stuff like that, and like the politics involved in that, um, and, and, and stuff like if you took Game of Thrones, for instance, and eliminated any of the magic stuff, it, I would still love it because I love the politics. I love all the, you know, uh, all the other stuff that goes, the big battles. So like, I'm, that's what I'm kind of keeping in mind with the series that I'm, I'm working on is like, I don't necessarily have to have the magic you know, but like I can still scratch the itch of what I really want to get out of a fantasy. Um, also like I'm, it's probably not going to be set on what we know as earth. Like it will be on earth, but it's going to be in the future and like stuff will have like different names and stuff like that. So like I can kind of, that's another thing I really like is that world building aspect of it. So like 
can you scratch that itch you have in, in another in your current genre? You know, I think that's one really big question you can ask yourself. Um, you have anything to add to that? Nope. Uh, I, could I scratch this itch with a short story? I think that's another thing. Like, you know, if it's just a creative thing, then could you just write a short story in, in, in that genre or like, or do a collection of short stories? Like, you know, maybe you um, write a novel in the series you're working on your genre. And then as kind of like a palate cleanser, you write a short story in another genre you like, then you write the next book in your series. Then you do another short story in that genre. Like, or, or even a completely different genre. Like, can you, if it's, if it's more of just a, um, a creative thing, then could you do that? Cause I think what this really comes down to it's for one time is the big thing and it's time finding the time to write, which th these are genres, but also the time and the energy you're going to put in to market it to a different audience and building an audience is freaking hard. And if you're trying to build multiple audiences at a time, instead of just focusing on one, like picking a genre that you really like that sells pretty decent um, or sells really well. Like, and I think that's key to this too, that, you know, you can't be writing in a genre just because it's commercial, but you don't really like it because for one readers are going to be able to sniff that out. And two, that's going to lead to burnout. And once you're really going to want to write other stuff then, you know um, but you know, for us, you know, we love post-apoc. I love, or I'll just speak for myself. Like I love post-apoc. I'm totally cool. Just writing that all the time. And, um, so, and it, and it sells well. So, but you, I, you could look at scratching that itch with a short story. Um, I think that's definitely a way you could go. Um, we've talked about this. I'll kind of skip this one. What are my goals and aspirations as a writer? That goes back to like, what's your, why, what are you trying to accomplish? Um, you know, is it more of a creative outlet versus needing to make money? Again, I think we've kind of hit on that at nauseum. Yep. Um, how fast can I write is another thing. Like if you're one of these people that can crank out, you know, um, like my buddy, Robert Crane, who can write 7,000 words a day on a treadmill desk, like if our, our Lindsay broker, you know, who can, is very prolific. If you're one of these people where you can write a bunch, you might be able to afford to like genre hop a little more because you could get stuff out quicker. Um, so I think that that's something else to consider as well. Um, you know, I think you need to ask yourself, like, why are you wanting to write in another genre? You know, are you bored in the genre you're writing in? Um, again, are you wanting to expand your creative outlet? Um, <clears throat> are you chasing trends? Like that's one that I, I see some authors get caught up in. Um, they, they see like, you know, the, the, uh, the carrot over here of like, Oh, this genre is doing really well. Um, and my, I'm doing okay here, but like, what if I could go jump on this, even if I'm not really that into it? That's a dangerous game there. And that's the blessing about. and the curse of Kalytics. And we love Alex and we love Kalytics. But if you're seeing that report and then you start writing to that, so are, so are thousands of other people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's one you got to be careful with. And then, you know, are you not making enough money in your current genre? Like, that's one that I think you really could look at. Like, um, if, if you're writing in a genre that you feel like is hungry and that is, is but you're not really making money, um, I could see at that point, um, like maybe <clears throat> wanting to expand and go to another genre. Um, and I, I think that actually Lori had a question that was kind of around that. Um, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute though, but you know, cause that's also a thing where you kind of have to decide like, am I just going to start over and write in a different genre or not? You know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's something to look at. And, um, obviously am I basing my decision on outliers? I think this is another dangerous one. And, um, you know, Chris, I love you. Um, but you know, and, and the stuff you, you know, we've talked before and, um, you know, I know that like oftentimes, uh, and, and a lot, I'm not going to just pick on Chris cause I, I hear this a lot, obviously, but Chris, he, he loves when we bring him up. So, but, if your examples are always like Stephen King or Neil Gaiman or Nora Roberts, that's like a whole other level of people. And like, there are people who will read anything Stephen King writes. It, it doesn't matter. Like he can write a hardball detective. He can write horror. He can write post. It doesn't matter. He's that is his brand. Stephen King is the brand. You know, it's not like, again, going back to us for like Zach Bohan's brand is post apoc you know, um, so I think you got to be really careful when you say, well, this person's able to do it successfully. 
And there's even indies we can look at. They're like that. You know, I mentioned Lindsay Broker earlier, like Lindsay, you know, has been able to do like some side, you know, and most of her stuff is still around like speculative fiction, but she's able to write epic fantasy and she's able to write space opera and she's able to write like sci-fi romance because she's built up enough of an audience where people legit follow Lindsay. It's not necessarily like they're just reading like the specific, and there's some people who probably don't follow it, but she's got such a hardcore fan base. She can afford to do it. Um, another one I could think of is our, our buddy, Bobby Adair, you know, he has done really, you know, he primarily writes post-apoc, but then he had a ton of success with a space opera series, you know? And, and so, uh, cause he's built up that audience, um, that loves him. Like, and there's other countless examples of this, but I think you got to be really careful basing your decision around outliers. I think that that is, can be really, really not the best thing to do necessarily. I agree. Yeah. So I want to hit on something here that I want to talk about anyway, but Steven, our buddy, Steven Schneider brought it up. And I think it's really, really interesting because, um, and we talk about genre hopping a lot, but what about sub genre hopping? Like what about people who really get down in the niche? And um, so, cause I could think of this with us. So let me, let me read Steven's question here. Um, what would constitute a genre to hop? Meaning if I write in fantasy and one series is like medievalish with magic and the other is more like YA supernatural fantasy, is that too far apart for readers or is it okay? And um, how is subgenre, how subgenre is considered hopping? If I write a Tolkien-esque epic fantasy and then a more romance YA fantasy, is that too far apart? It's my struggle right now. I view everything I write as fantasy, but I've come to know that different people think of fantasy different and I've seen many different people many different ways people handle it so this is valid um because you and i have talked about this in post-apoc before there is a segment of post-apoc fans who are survivalist and like they are, they like that really like hardcore survivalist like prepper stuff um there's another segment of people who are like military and they really like their main characters being military people. And they really want you to describe the guns and all that stuff. And like, I don't think a lot of our stuff appeals to either of those crowds. Like, There's even a, a, another flavor, which is sort of the cozy post-apoc, um, which is typically a, uh, a young female protagonist who's just kind of um, is shortly after an apocalyptic event. And I don't want to call any out. It's not my thing. But th th there's a flavor of post-apoc where there's, um, it's not at all survivalist. It's not at all military. So there, there are, there are subgenres even within post-apoc, which is a subgenre of science fiction. Yeah. And you and I don't read it all. Like, I know you and I are not really big fans of the military stuff. Um, I don't like the hardcore survivalist stuff. Some of it I'll read but it really just depends. Um, you know, but our stuff is usually like really normal people who are thrust in these situations, you know, like that's kind of our flavor. Like I really like stuff that takes place like way in the future, like your Dustfall series that you wrote with, uh, with Glenn or Baron is like that as well. Um, I, you know, that's a different type of stuff, you know, cause you've got the contemporary, like th it's happening right now, which, Technically, I guess is more apocalyptic than post-apocalyptic if you really get down to it. Um, you know, like our Warf Earth series, which is like, you know, the, the characters start out and there's not an alien invasion. Well, then there's an alien invasion. Um, and then you have stuff that's like way in the future, like after the world has gone to shit and stuff. So, um, and those are different readers. So you, even within that, you can't necessarily assume that readers are going to follow you everywhere. We've talked about with me with zombies. You've asked me straight up, am I a zombie writer? There are people who like zombie stuff, but don't like the other post-apoc stuff I write. So um, I say that because these are all things that you have to think about. And there there can be a risk even with subgenre hopping within your own genre. So, well, and, and I have the advantage of knowing Stephen. Uh, and, yeah. and so, you know, maybe this advice would be different for, for any other listener. But I feel like if you're trying to, if you're trying to carve out your spot or you're trying to build an audience, you just need to deliver that same thing over and over again until you have the audience or you've decided that audience is not responding to what you're writing. So to, to Steven's question, I would say pick one. 
don't don't sort of spread yourself thin and say I'm going to try a little bit of this and a little bit of YA supernatural and a little bit of Tolkien esque. Ep- no, pick the one, <laughs> pick the one. Be as specific as you can. Go down as far into the subgenre hole as you can. Pick that one and keep doing that one until you either have success or don't. But I think um, the equivalent of chasing the shiny object, even within a subgenre, is not a good idea. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I think so as well. And again, for me, like, or it, it's all about buying time. Like, eventually, you can branch out a little bit. You know, you you could get to a point where people you get a really hardcore readership, people who will follow you. You know, and you can do that really slowly. Like, write something that's a little bit, you know, like Jay saying, write. Like, if you pick that you want to do, you know, epic fantasy, write that, and then maybe like a little later, you can go out a little bit and do. Uh, urban fantasy or more or bring more YA in or something like that. And like then, but you got to gain readers trust first and then they can fall. They will potentially follow you. So and I know that's not the answer. A lot of people want to hear, but again, it, this really goes back to um, like, what are you trying to do? Like what, what, what are, what are your goals and aspirations with this? And, you know, kind of, kind of wrapping this up a little bit. Um, you know, like, I guess we should ask, we should ask, like, should you genre hop? And I'd like to hear what you think as well. But for me, um, again, I just think this really depends on what your goals are. Like, um, I've talked about for me, I want to do so later on when I have a back catalog that's consistently earned me enough money and that will buy me some time to do some other things. Um, I'm not saying I would leave my genre completely, because again, I love writing when I write and I want to keep doing it. But like, I could see myself getting to a point where I bought myself a little more a little time to do it. Um, and also, you know, want to experiment with trad pub and stuff. And I'm, I'm trying to buy time for that. So uh, I really think the answer really just depends. And you have to look at a lot of different factors. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think too, it's a, there's a, another question to ask here, which is, are you considering genre hopping as resistance as a, as a form of procrastination? If, nice. If you're always thinking about the next thing or, Oh, this would be really cool, but I'm working on this now you just might be using that as procrastination. It might not be, it might not have anything to do with genre hopping at all. So Jay, with that, what is my question to the audience this week? Question for the audience. Your question is, do you write in multiple genres or do you aspire to? What has been your experience or what do you hope to accomplish? And you can join the conversation on that over at thecareerauthor.com. Just navigate to the podcast link at the top and you'll find episode 142 there at the top if you're listening close to when it comes out. And uh, yeah, just answer that question. Leave us a comment and join the conversation with us. We'd love to see you over there. And of course, you can also consider joining us over at patreon.com slash thecareerauthor. As little as a dollar a month gets you in and we have a lot of great content over there that you get access to. And uh, we also, of course, we mentioned earlier, um, Career Author Summit, those tickets are on sale. So while you're at the careerauthor.com commenting on this episode, click the events tab at the top and you can check that out as well. Uh, we have virtual and in-person options. And of course, the freest, cheapest thing you can do if you like what you're hearing on the show, just tell your friends about it. I know you guys all have friends who write, author friends, groups you're in. So tell them about the career author. We would definitely appreciate it. And with that, I'm Zach Bohannon. That's Jay Thorne. And we'll see you guys next week. See you.